Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? Welcome to episode six of the Banner Banter Podcast, your favorite Boston Celtics podcast. I am your host, Timmy G, a longtime Boston Celtics season ticket holder. Thank you for joining us. You're probably listening on one of the fine podcast applications that you can listen to the podcast on, like Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Podbean, you name it. Got to excuse me this week. I'm trying to get over a cold. I'm in Los Angeles and I'm just trying to recover properly. I'm at a ticketing conference for my job and I'm really excited. But most importantly, I had to make sure that this podcast got recorded. A lot to talk about this week. But before we get into that, just a few reminders. Facebook, Instagram, at Banner Banter Podcast and on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18. Training camp is literally eight days away. Can you believe it? I'm so pumped. That means Media Day is one week from today. I love Media Day. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. We're getting so close. Lots to talk about today. Sports Illustrated came out with their top 100 NBA players. Gordon Hayward spoke to the media. We have to talk about Jabari Bird. Some Kyrie information. Obviously, we'll have your Celtic stud and dud of the week and a great banner banter investigation per usual. And then the topic this week is player predictions. What I think each player is going to be bringing to the table for this year's Boston Celtics. I think you guys are really going to enjoy the podcast this week. Please tell all your friends about it. Share it, like it, comment, rate it. Whatever you got to do, that'd be great. So first off, let me just talk about Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward finally arrived in Boston, and he spoke to the media, and this is what he had to say to the media about how he's feeling going into training camp and if he's going to be ready for the season opener and the preseason opener. I mean, I would say I'm basically 100%. There's there's certain things that I think are going to take time, even if I was 100% healthy, um, not 100% as far as basketball-wise, just because I haven't played in a year, so trying to figure those things out. Um, you know, the last step for me is, as far as from a physical standpoint, is like the, the little explosion, that little last juice bounce that you get. Um, and so that's going to take maybe the longest time. But like I said, for the most part, I feel very good. So there you have it. Gordon Hayward sounds very, very confident that he is going to be 100% going into the season. And that's obviously great to hear for Celtics fans. But at the same time, I want him to take it nice and slow like it's an Usher song and ease back into this. No need to rush into it. It's a very long season, and we need him for the playoffs. We need him post-All-Star break. It's going to be very, very important to make sure that Gordon Hayward is 100% after the All-Star break. I know it's tough to say to be you know that he has to be at 100% after the All-Star break, but Gordon Hayward is going to be a key piece, especially if he's important. And another great little clip that he said was, I don't I don't have the audio clip, but he said that he doesn't care if he starts or not. I don't believe that for a second. I believe he should be a starter. I don't know if he, sh- if he should be a starter right away for opening night, but if Brad feels confidence based on how the preseason goes, how training camp goes, then I'm all for Gordon Hayward starting, but he should be starting by the end of the year. Absolutely. Okay, we're not going to be spending a lot of time on this next topic, 
But we're going to talk about Jabari Bird and his domestic violence situation. The Celtics released a statement earlier last week that said, Most importantly, our thoughts are with the victim of this incident. The Celtics organization deplores domestic violence of any kind, and we are deeply disturbed by the allegations against Jabari Bird. Pursuant to domestic violence policy in the NBA's layer agreement, matters of this kind are handled by the league office, not the team, and so the Celtics will be working with both the league and the local authorities to assist in their ongoing investigation. The team will have no further comment at this time. Basically, what the Celtics are saying is, we know what we want to do, but we want the league to make the call. And I think that's the right move for the Celtics. If the NBA looks into this situation and says Jabari Bird should no longer be in the league, they will get rid of him and the Celtics will save $1.3 million in salary and they do not have to pay Jabari Bird because if the Celtics were to cut Jabari Bird right now, they would owe him $1.3 million and he doesn't deserve that if all these allegations are true. And from how in-depth the report was, it it is hard to believe that he did not do this. So I don't want to say the Celtics are doing this to save themselves some money, but the Celtics are following the proper protocols here, and that is why Jabari Bird has not been cut yet. Jabari Bird, after the Celtics released this statement, he released a statement that said, I'm taking some time away from the team as I deal with legal and medical issues. I apologize to my family, the Celtics, my teammates, the fans, and the NBA for the unnecessary distraction that I have caused. The information that has been released does not tell the full story. I do not condone violence against women. I am hopeful that in due time and process, I will be able to regain everyone's trust. You got a long way to go there, bud, but that's the update on the Jabari Bird situation. And of course, I will update you as much as I can when I feel like the time is right about this investigation. All right. One other thing I want to talk about that kind of came up this week was ESPN did a little forecast on their show called The Jump about where they think Kyrie is going to go next summer. Again, I hate to be talking about this, but people keep bringing it up and it's driving me crazy. So I just want to make sure that everyone's up to date with the news when it comes to Kyrie and all these rumors. I I probably should keep track of how many different rumors there are because I guarantee you will be over 250 before the Eastern Conference Finals even pop up. It's going to be crazy. So on the jump, the panel predicted where Kyrie would end up. 3.1% said the Nets, the Clippers, and the Lakers. Huh? The Lakers? What? What? He's not going to go play with LeBron, and why would he go play for the Clippers? They're not going to... Uncle Drew was an average movie. It was funny at times, and that was about it. But Kyrie's not going out to LA so he can pursue his movie career. Uh Uh-uh. The Nets? Okay, fine. The New York thing I get. And then the Celtics were at 43.8%, so you're like, huh, that's probably the highest odds, right? Wrong. The Knicks were at 46.9%. And then, earlier this week, Asherod Blakely from NBC Sports Boston said that Kyrie is the Knicks' first, second, third, and fourth priority this summer. That's a lot of priorities, so they are going to push super, super hard for him. Nice Kicks Instagram page, if you guys are sneakerheads go to Nice Kicks. They always have some great posts and they talk about a lot of basketball stuff too. Put Kyrie in a Knicks jersey and said, what are the chances of Kyrie signing with the Knicks next year? And J.R. Smith said, high. Now, is J.R. Smith high? And he was just letting everyone know that he was high? Or does he actually think that Kyrie is going to the Knicks? Interesting because Kyrie and J.R. Smith used to be teammates. I'm sure they're pretty good friends. So a very interesting topic. Again, I'm I hate, I hate, I hate that we're talking about it, but we have to. I'm going to keep you guys posted on every single rumor that we hear. I am still sticking by Woj and what he said on his podcast saying, 
It would be dumb for Kyrie to leave. And Kyrie, he can get the most money if he stays here. So I am still 98% sure that Kyrie is going to re-sign with the Celtics. Or should I say 98% hopeful that he signs with the Celtics. Sports Illustrated released their top 100 players for the NBA season in 2019. And let me just start off by saying that Carmelo Anthony didn't make the top 100. (laughs) Ah, man. Carmelo Anthony sucks, and I love when he suffers. Anyways, 100 people, Ben Golliver and Rob Mahoney, came up with the list. Number 100 this year is Lonzo Ball, so congratulations on making the list. Hopefully his jump shot improves because that form is hideous. But there are six Celtics players in the top 100. Number 82, Terry Rozier. Oh, okay. All right, Terry. Nice job. Way to go. Jalen Brown, number 47. Very impressive. He he cracked the top 50. Jason Tatum, 39th. Meow. Love to see that. Let's go. Gordon Hayward at 25. Gordon Hayward was an all-star, so there's 12 people on each all-star team. Obviously, he didn't make the all-star team last year because of his injury, so they'll put him 25th. That works for me. Kyrie Irving at 17th, and then Al Horford at 16th. Insert Polly D soundbite. What the hell? I'm s I don't have a Polly D soundbite that says what the hell. I know he just said that in the last episode of Jersey Shore. Yes, I still watch it. Don't judge me. But anyways, Al Horford, sixteenth on the list. Can you believe that? The sixteenth best player in the NBA is Al Horford. Do I think Al Horford's a top fifteen player? No. Do I think Al Horford's a top twenty player? Uh, kinda sorta. Like Al Horford has been to multiple Eastern Conference Finals. He has been on both of the Celtics Eastern Conference Finals teams. He's been in the playoffs every single year. NCAA champion. He is really, really good. And it all shows up in places where you don't see. Like, people check the box score and they see that Al Horford only had 11, 8, and 4. And they're like, oh, he's not worth 30 mil. But Brad Stevens is obsessed with him. And he does all the little things. Point Horford, great off the pick and roll, great at finding the open man, always making his teammates better. So is that that good enough to be 16th in the league and be better than Kyrie in ranking? Mm, Probably not. I think Kyrie's a little low. I think Kyrie is like a top 12 player in the league. I'm not saying top 10. I know a lot of people might be angry at that, but I could name 10 other players that are better than Kyrie Irving, and I think you would somewhat agree with me, but we're not going to go down that road right now. But Al Horford at 16, I know, is really, in plain English, pissing off a lot of people in Boston sports media because they they just don't get it. Like, your average basketball fan will probably be like, Al Horford, 16th, huh? I I can see it. Because of how important he is to the Celtics, how important he was in the 76ers series, in the Bucks series, maybe not ideal in the Cavs series because Tristan Thompson shut him down, but Al Horford is an all-star. He's at least a top 25 player, a little bit high 16, Kyrie's a little low at 17, surprised with Gordon at 25. Uh, especially like with the injury and stuff, Jason Tatum in the top 40. Oh, that's crazy. And I'm happy Jalen's in the top 50. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Those five guys right there. Should that be your starting lineup for the Celtics? Uh, I don't know. I don't know because there's one guy that I need to talk about in our favorite segment that might be in the starting lineup instead. So guess what time it's for. And the Celtics dud of the week.
All right, it is the Celtics stud and Celtics dud of the week. Who is it going to be? Who is it going to be? The Celtics stud this week is Kyrie Irving. If you guys haven't seen the video of him playing basketball in Miami with Kevin Durant and James Harden, watch it. He looked like a stud. He looked ready to go. He looked 100%. The handles, the acrobatic layups, you name it, he was ready to go. I know last week I said don't bite into those videos. I bit. I'm really Really excited to see Kyrie because he looks good, he looks healthy, he looks fit. So he gets my stud of the week. But with that being said, I'm not going to get too hyped over it because it is only a video uh, against some NBA guys, not all NBA guys. I just want to see them play basketball with a team in their Celtics uniforms. For the love of God, I'm so sick of seeing these videos. But this video did something to me. It made me feel all the feels, and I really, really enjoyed it. And then the dud of the week, Aaron Baines. You're probably saying, what could Aaron Baines possibly do wrong? Gordon Hayward, in his interview with the media this week, basically said that he is now a big donut guy because when he was rehabbing, Aaron Baines would bring donuts over. He would go pick up Krispy Kreme donuts and drop them off for him to eat. So you think, oh, well, he should be a stud for being such a great friend, dropping off Krispy Kreme donuts. Shout out to my my best friend, Big T, for eating all the Krispy Kreme donuts in college. I've never seen someone eat so many Krispy Kreme donuts in my entire life. But anyways, he was at a school event, Aaron Baines, in Hudson, Massachusetts, because the Celtics redid a gym And they asked all the kids to do 40 jumping jacks. And Aaron Baines was in the middle of doing the 40 jumping jacks. And guess what? He only did 20. He cheated. Aaron Baines cheated in front of a bunch of kids. What kind of example does that set? Unbelievable, Aaron Baines. And and to think the Celtics re-signed you for that contract of a little over $5 million and you can't even do 20 extra jumping jacks with the kids. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. But anyways, that is your Celtics sud and dud of the week. And now I want to get back into our main topic, player predictions. What I think each player is going to bring to the table for the 2018-2019 season for the Boston Celtics. Now we could talk a lot about predictions when it comes to the team, but I just want to focus on the certain individuals. And I'm going to come out with three pretty fiery takes. The first is Kyrie Irving was your leading scorer last year. He averaged about 24 a game, 10 more than anyone else on the team. You know who was second place in scoring? Jalen Brown. Keep that in mind, okay? Kyrie then had the most assists on the team with 5.1 per game. And guess who was second? Marcus Smart with 4.8 assists per game. Al Horford led the team with 7.4 rebounds a game. And guess who was in second place? Marcus Morris with 5.4 rebounds per game. This may sound crazy, but I believe that Jalen Brown is going to be the sixth man of the year in the NBA. I think Jalen Brown should come off the bench for the Celtics. He can give scoring to that bench unit because you really can't trust Marcus Morris. He's either on or he's off. You can never trust Marcus Smart. And Terry Rozier, again, hit or miss. And that's why I think Aaron Baines should be the starter. And the starting lineup should be Kyrie, Gordon, Tatum, Horford, and Baines. And then off the bench, you could have Rozier, Smart, Brown, Morris, and Tice and or Williams. That's what I think it should be. I think Jalen Brown is going to have a great year. I think he's going to be officially your number one scoring option off the bench. Jalen is going to shoot over 40% from three this year. Last year, he shot 39, so I think it's going to go up. And it will also give us less shots for Marcus Smart. And that's what we all want. 
So Jalen Brown coming off the bench, I think, is going to be my first big prediction. I think he's going to take it in, he's going to love it, and he's going to win the sixth man of the year in the NBA. When it comes to Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, and Marcus Morris, I don't think Danny's going to get rid of any of them. But if he were to get rid of any of them, I think Marcus Morris goes first. I think that's an easy fix because of they're so filled with that wing spot between Jalen and Jason and Gordon, and you and you could go on and on. And because of that, I think Marcus Morris' minutes are going to go down a lot. Last year, he averaged 26 minutes per game. I think he'll probably get around 20, but even still, six minutes per game is a lot. He averaged 11 shots per game, and I can see that going down to seven or eight because a lot of things that we really didn't or I didn't enjoy about Marcus Morris was he would catch and just shoot, and he would just play iso ball, and that's just not what Brad does unless you're Kyrie Irving or Jason Tatum and you're a top 40 player in the league or a top 20 player in the league. You're allowed to do that, but what I will say this. I do think, even though he's going to be taking less shots per game and less minutes per game, I do think that he will still average double-digit points per game. It will be a little bit less. He averaged like 13 last year. So even if he can get 10 off the bench, I think that will be huge. Then we could talk about Marcus Smart. I think Marcus's role this year is going to be a little different. I think he's going to be more of a facilitator. I think he's going to run the point more, and they might have Terry like come off screens you know, like around the elbow, maybe top of the key, a little catch and shoot action. Because I don't think Terry is very good at the pick and roll. I've said this before. I think Marcus Smart is unbelievable with the pick and roll. He improved so much over the last two years, or basically since Al Horford's got here. And I think Marcus, I think his minutes are going to go up just a little bit because of what he puts on the floor. And I think Marcus's three-pointers are going to go down a great deal. Last year, he took 249 threes. I'm going to say this year he takes less than 200. So that's 50 less panic attacks for me. And I cannot wait to see that. And my other ridiculously fire-hot take, like Jalen winning sixth man of the year, Marcus Smart is going to lead the Boston Celtics in assists per game throughout the entire year. He's also going to lead the team in turnovers, which will then raise my panic attacks. But I believe that Marcus Smart will be the leading assist getter for the Boston Celtics this year. Then you got to think about Terry Rozier. I don't think a lot's going to change about Terry. I really don't. I think his minutes when Kyrie was there are basically going to be the same, maybe a little bit more so they can rest Kyrie especially early in the season and at the end of the season to make sure he's rested, the knee's good, he's healthy, because we really can't guarantee that Kyrie's going to be fully healthy throughout the year. With that being said, I do think that Terry will probably start maybe 12 to 15 games this year, because I think Kyrie will probably miss at least 20 games this year for the Celtics. And I think Kyrie or Marcus will, will take over those roles based on the matchup, because Brad has so many different options here. So I think Everything Terry Rozier-wise will stay the same. You know, dozen points a game every once in a while, come off the bench, spark the team with 20 points. But for the most part, I, I really hope that we can get a Terry, Marcus, Marcus, and Jalen, and then either a Daniel Tice or a Robert Williams type lineup. I think it would be really fun. The offense will either be really good because when all four of those guys are on, they're on. But when they're off, it gets a little scary. But I think Jalen's growth from year two to year three will be a good one. And his jump shot's going to improve a great deal. Now we got to think of Yabaselli, Semi Ojale, and Daniel Tice. 
I don't know what's going on with Yabaselli. He was seen at the Celtics training facility the other day at the Red Auerbach Center in Brighton with his left hand wrapped up. I haven't seen a report on what's going on. I don't know if he needed surgery or something, but just a reminder, the Celtics might cut him come November. They have to make a decision on his contract for the upcoming year, the 2019-2020 season, and they have to make it before November. So very interesting to see what's wrong with Yabo's hand and what the Celtics are going to do with that. I don't think Yabo is going to be playing a lot of minutes this year. I think he'll, he will be great video content for pregame dances, and that's about it. Semi Ojale, yeah. Semi got a lot of minutes last year because obviously Gordon Hayward got hurt. So I don't see Semi playing a lot. He averaged about, uh, I think, like 15 minutes last year. He averaged, and he'll probably get less than 10. But I will say, I was very impressed with how well he shot the ball in the Las Vegas Summer League. So I do think his shooting percentage will go up when he's on the floor. I think he'll have more confidence on the offensive end. And obviously he'll be his insanely well-built statue-like body on the defensive end. And then Daniel Tice. I'm expecting a lot from Daniel Tice this season. I know my buddy Drew Crittenden will be a big fan of that. He's a big Daniel Tice fan, and I'm right there with him. I think Daniel Tice will average double digits in scoring this year. I really do. I think the bench is going to be getting a lot more minutes than we think. I think Brad is really going to try and rest these guys because of how deep they are, especially after the All-Star break or on back-to-backs or long road trips. I know with the way the NBA schedule is set up, some of the the long road trips really don't exist anymore, but Brad will treat it properly. And then I think Daniel Tice will be in the top two or top three rebounds this year. Not total for the team, just average per game. I think Daniel Tice, as long as he can come back healthy and strong and he's ready to take on that big man role, he's going to be a great little pick and pop guy with Marcus Smart or Terry Rogier off the bench. I really and truly think that Daniel Tice can be a top two or three rebounder for the Celtics team and not because he has to be but I also think he can be and wants to be let's go Daniel Tice I need it from you this year bud and I'm predicting you're gonna have a great great season then you got to think about Robert Williams and Brad Wanamaker Brad Wanamaker is going to be Shane Larkin 2.0 obviously if Terry gets hurt, Brad Wanamaker is the next one up. If Marcus Smart gets hurt, Brad Wanamaker is the next one up. Or if Kyrie gets hurt, then Terry goes up, Brad Wanamaker is the next one up. I I can see him averaging, you know, three, four points a game, nothing crazy, but I do see him being an important piece, especially late in the season. I want him to get his confidence up because if something terrible happens in the playoffs, he's going to have to be the next man up. He's a four-year college guy. He's played in Europe for a long, long time. This is his chance, and I think he's going to be ready to go and I'm excited to see what he looks like during the preseason I think he's going to get a lot of run and I'm very excited to see that and then Robert Williams Robert Williams obviously with the knee situation and the tendonitis that he talked about last week you really don't know what you're going to be getting from him but my prediction for him this year just because I think (laughs) I've seen his jump shot it's uh you know it's 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 a jump shot I think Daniel Tice I mean I'm sorry Robert Williams the third will lead the team in field goal percentage just because I think he is just going to be a lob and catch right around the rim, offensive rebounds, in the post type stuff. He'll have the highest field goal percentage on the team. So just a little recap about what I think the bench is going to do. Robert Williams III, highest field goal percentage. Daniel Tice is going to be a top three rebounder for the Celtics, average per game. semi Ojale's shooting will go up. Marcus Morris will average double digits per game with less minutes and less shots. Marcus Smart is going to lead the team in assists per game. 
Terry Rozier, nothing's really going to change for him. He's just going to be scary, Terry. And then Jalen Brown is going to win the sixth Man of the Year award in the NBA. And now we have to talk about the starters. Aaron Baines, like I said, I think he's starting five. I think Brad made the right call. Sure, at times, like when we play the 76ers, Aaron Baines might not be the best guy. But I think overall, I think Aaron Baines helps Al Horford defensively and physically because now Al Horford doesn't have to guard those big guys like your Carl Anthony Towns or your Anthony Davises or your DeAndre Jordans, guys like that. And Aaron Baines last year in the regular season went three for 21 from three-point land and then in the playoffs went 11 for 23. So I am predicting that Aaron Baines is going to take more than 75 three-pointers this year. How many of those will go in? I don't know, but I'm going to say this, and you know what? This could be my fourth fiery hot take here because I haven't said the third one yet. I think Aaron Baines is going to have a better three-point percentage than Marcus Smart's going to this year. And you can hold me to that. That's how that's how confident I am with Aaron Baines being wide open in the corner and people going, let him be. And he's going to hit him. And I'm going to tell you, he's going to hit him. All right. Next up, Al Horford. I think his rebounding will go up. I think his assists will go up, but his scoring will go down and people are going to belittle the living crap out of him because of it. And I, that's my third hot take. A lot of people think that Al Horford should be like a 20 and 10 guy. I don't. Give me a dozen points from Al Horford. Give me eight rebounds. Give me six assists. We'll call it a day and just do your job defensively. And what, you know, a lot of people don't know that, you know, Al Horford, his defensive rating is through the roof. You know, he could post up with Joel Embiid well, force a missed shot for Joel Embiid, but that doesn't show up on the shot chart or the box score. And it drives me nuts that, you know, all these people are just looking at stats, stats, stats. Oh, well, Al Horford only scored 10 points and he had eight rebounds. Yeah, and Joel Embiid only had 14. So isn't that pretty important? But anyways, the other thing that I think Al Horford's going to lead the team with is plus minus. What else is new there? Al Horford needs to be on the floor as much as possible. I really hope Al gets his rest because I remember in February or March last year, I tweeted out a few times that Al Horford looked a little slow. He looked a little tired. So hopefully Robert Williams, Daniel Tice, Aaron Baines are going to be ready to go to fill those spots. Now we got Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum last year was your fourth scoring option. This year, I really think he's going to be your second scoring option. I think it's going to go Kyrie, Jason Tatum, and then Gordon Hayward. I think Jason can average 18 points a game. He did that in the playoffs as basically your number one option to a degree. They really The Celtics really didn't have an option. They just had guys that if you had the open shot, take it. So I think Kyrie will be your leading scorer, and then Jason Tatum will be number two. Gordon will be number three. So I really liked what Jason did, especially in the playoffs. If he can perform in the playoffs, he'll be able to perform in the regular season. I'm... Oh, I am so excited to see Jason Tatum from year one to year two. Gordon Hayward. Like I just mentioned, he'll probably be the third scoring option for the Celtics. I'm not expecting a lot from Gordon Hayward right away. I just want him to be back in his all-star shape, his all-star form, come all-star break. Maybe right before the all-star break, rest up a little bit, then get back after it so he's ready to go for the playoffs. I think Gordon Hayward will probably average anywhere between 14 to 15 points a game. I think he's going to be great for us. I think his assists, they're going to they are going to go up. I, I really and truly think that. I think Gordon can tack the a basket very well. He can find Kyrie. He can find Jason Tatum. He can find Horford. And hell, he could find Aaron Baines in the corner or even Jalen Brown. Whatever the case may be, I really and truly think 
that Gordon Hayward is going to have kind of like what Al Horford had last year. You're like, why are you paying this guy so much money? It doesn't show up in the box score, but it's going to show up in the analytics side of things for Brad and his teammates and others. So Gordon Hayward, 15 points a game. Looking forward to that. And then Kyrie. I don't know what I don't know what to predict. It's a contract year for Kyrie. Kyrie, if Kyrie wants his 180 mil from the Celtics, or if he wants to go play for the New York Knicks, like we've never seen contract year Kyrie before. Well, I mean, we, we did when his rookie contract was up, but that's obviously a little different. This is his big paycheck day. This is his big paycheck year. Kyrie could go off. And I'm a little nervous about it because Kyrie could just want to steal the show. But I think Kyrie assists are gonna go up this year. I don't think they're going to go up by a lot. Last year he did five. I think this year he'll do six. I think his three-point percentage will go up because he, if Gordon or Jason attack the hoop, they kick it out. Kyrie will be open for that. And I do think Kyrie is going to win at least one player of the month in the NBA season this year. You know, usually you get your Durants or your Steph Currys or your LeBrons or your Damian Lillards or your Anthony Davises. I do think Kyrie will win one NBA player of the month. He will start in the All-Star game. I think I could see him maybe doing 65 this year, maybe taking a night or two off, which is fine by me. Not not on purpose, but, you know, just give him a night off here and there, and I'm content with it, and I really think that it's it's going to be a great season for the Boston Celtics. So those are my player predictions, and now we have to get into something very important. We now interrupt this podcast to bring you a very special Banner Banter Investigation Celtics Unit Report. All right, this week's edition of Banner Banter Investigation is about Kedrick Brown. Yes, the number 11th pick in the 2001 NBA draft. He's from Northwest Florida State College, which is a community college. He was drafted by Rick Pitino. You guys heard my thoughts on Rick Pitino last week. He ruined the Celtics for a long time. The Celtics had three first-round draft picks in that year. Number 10, which they selected Joe Johnson, and the number 21, Joe Forte who I'm pretty sure went to North Carolina. So the Celtics at the time had head coach Jim O'Brien, and they wanted some veteran leadership. They thought they had a good core with Tony Petit and Eric Williams and Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker, and they just wanted some some veteran leadership. And the Suns wanted Kedrick Brown, but Jim O'Brien and Rick Pitino said, no, 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 no. So they offered up Joe Johnson and the 2002 first-round draft pick for Tony Delk and Rodney Rogers. Kedrick Brown like I said, was a Jim O'Brien guy, but late in the preseason of his rookie year, he hurt his ankle and he hurt his ankle pretty bad. And when that was, when that happened, Jim O'Brien was kind of like, eh, see you later. Kedrick Brown really didn't have a great NBA career. In 101 games, he only started 20 games and he went 20 of 98 from three-point land. Oh, pretty terrible stuff. In 2003, he was traded with Tony Bettine, Eric Williams to the Cavs for Ricky Davis, Chris Mim, Michael Stewart, and a second-round pick, which eventually turned into Ryan Gomes. Shout-out to Ryan McClear. I know he's a big Ryan Gomes guy. And then, in 2004, he was traded from the 76, or to the 76ers with Kevin Hawley for Eric Snow. And Eric Snow, I'm pretty sure, played with LeBron. And the first time LeBron went to the finals or made it to the Eastern Conference finals, Eric Snow was on that team. Kedrick Brown really didn't have the best NBA career. And you could probably say that he was the biggest bust in Celtics history. We'll talk about a possible another one maybe next week or the following week, but Kedrick Brown 
was a gigantic waste of a draft pick, just like Rick Pitino was a gigantic waste of time. And right now, he is the director of player development at Southern University. After he got traded to the 76ers, he got cut, played a couple years in the G League, a couple years overseas. Didn't really get that far, but it's good to see that he's still involved and hopefully getting some young guys ready for the NBA, and hopefully those guys that he's developing aren't busts like he was. So that is this week's episode of the Banner Banter Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening and for dealing with the fact that I have a cold. Uh, I'm in LA right now for a ticketing conference for work. I'm really excited about it. So thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to find us on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18, Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. You can also listen to this fine podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podbean, you name it, we're on it. Thank you so much for listening. And next week, we will be talking season predictions. I'm going to give you my prediction month for month about what the Celtics record is going to be, where they're going to end up, the whole nine. So keep track of it. And if I'm right, I'll brag about it. If I'm wrong, you can send me an email at bannerbanterpodcast at gmail.com and tell me how much I suck. But thank you so much for listening as always. And I will talk to you guys next week. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.